0: Amen, let us pray, Father, Lord in heaven, we come before you this morning, Just like the disciples on the day of Pentecost, we ask you this morning, Holy God, let your spirit come down. Let your presence be felt in a way we've never experienced before. We have come to you this morning, O Lord, expectant, and I pray that you fill us. May the word of my mouth and the expectation, the meditation of all our hearts, be acceptable unto you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're happy to be here today, this morning, this glorious Sunday. I'm happy. Because the it says, I was pleased when I was asked to come to the house of the Lord. And I believe as you have come, the Lord will visit you anew this morning you will not go back home the same way in Jesus' name. This is the first Pentecost, and um, we, over the past few Sundays, we've been going through a lot of promises and what's happened in Genesis. So as we round up, I'm just gonna give a wee recap. And then over the past few Sundays, we've learned of the origin of the Bible and how it was inspired of God. And 2 Timothy 3:16 says, "All Scriptures is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness." That is once and for all putting the argument to bed that it is the word of God. And how are we to believe and trust the Word of God? We've been told that God doesn't say what he won't do. And we've also, we've also heard that of all the promises that were made and how they've been fulfilled. Luke 24, verse 44 says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. This is still just background. And last week we have how God did not look at the unfaithfulness of man in the garden of Eden, but he remained faithful to them. And I suppose the question I ask myself, and I don't know if you ask yourself that question, why did God Remain faithful to man. We've done something terrible. Don't touch that, you touched it. But God did not look at the unfaithfulness of man for one reason and one reason only. Because man was made in his image. You carry a part of God's DNA And it is not, it is not about to say, you know what, away with him. I've got nothing to do with this person. So sometimes when you look at yourself, no matter state you find yourself, no matter what you're going through, you should be able to say, according to the promise of God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am an image of God. Come what is going on. So the reason why God did not turn his back is because we are his image, we carry his breath. And due to this immeasurable love, the great I am promised, just like we had last week, victory over Satan. And he gave us the promise that Jesus was gonna come. At this point, I, I, I ask myself, why do I need a savior? I mean, it's, it's all gone. But when you look at the settings at Eden, you'll quickly realize that you need someone, you need a savior. Because God provided man with a beautiful garden, there's good work, there's good food, and one another, he gave him a help me. And he didn't stop there, he humbled himself. So that we might know him personally. In other words, God was on speed dial whenever he wanted to. I mean, I, I, I could just imagine in the chatter of my mind every evening, Adam would be expecting God to come and go for his troll. What an awesome experience! What a wonderful thing to experience. And in Eden, God gave them security. There was comfort, there was provision, there was peace, love, and God's presence was there. There was no sickness, no poverty, no war, there's no pain, there's no pandemic, no sorrow, no addiction, there's no unrest, there's no hatred. It was bliss. But we threw it away. We threw it away. How do we really desperately need God today in our society? The scripture reading from today is from the book of Matthew, and I'm reading from chapter 1, verse 1 to 16. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judah and his brothers. Judah begat Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begat Ezron, and Ezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Amminadab. Amminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon. Salmon begat Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begat Obed by Ruth. Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. David the king begat Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begat Rehobam, Rehobam begat Abijah, and Abijah begat Asa. Asa begat Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat Uzziah, Uzziah begat Jotham, Jotham begat Ahaz, and Ahaz begat Ezekiah. Ezekiah begat Manasseh, Manasseh begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josiah. Josiah begat Jeconiah and, and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begat Shetil, and Shetil begat Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel begat Abiud, Abiud begat Eliakim, and Eli- Eliakim begat Azor, and Azor begat Zadok, and Zadok begat Akim, and Akim begat Eliud, Eliud begat Eleazar, Eleazar begat and Matan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Praise the Lord. I'm always bored when I've started reading genealogy. I'm thinking, what is he for? But Matthew was conscious In giving the account of the fulfillment of the promise that was to come by giving us how Jesus actually arrived on the scene based on what God promised in Genesis 2. Jesus is the Messiah and he had to come to destroy the work of the enemy and save his people. Isaiah 9 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The reason why Jesus has asked to come was every other attempt for us to get back to Eden has failed up unto this point. We've gone from Noah to Abraham You know, to to Leviticus, and to the blood of sheep, the blood of rams, and nothing was working. And God desperately wants us back. It's like the prodigal son, that his father yearned for him to come back to him. And I can't imagine, I mean, I've read Leviticus, and I can't imagine having to wait a whole year for your sins to be forgiven. Imagine having to, I mean, I mean, I can't imagine going a day without God saying, you're free. As soon as I lay my head tonight and I say, Lord, I know I've been absolved of everything. everything It must have been very awful to wait a whole year for someone to perform some sort of sacrifice for you to be forgiven. But Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. As I was looking at this genealogy, I find out something happened. The gospel began with the family tree. It was deliberate. The reason why I felt it was deliberate was because the Bible wants us to see that Jesus Christ descended, just like Abraham was promised, that Jesus Christ descended from Abraham and is the son of David, and he was born by a virgin, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you look at the genealogy, there's so many unlikely names that came up. There was Tamar, who was a prostitute. There was Ruth, who was a Moabite. There was Rahab, who was not just a prostitute, but was a Gentile. And there was Bathsheba, which name was not even mentioned. They mentioned the fact as the wife of Uriah, as the one who gave birth to Solomon, who was David's concubine. And this, it didn't stop there. There were two unfaithful kings in that lineage. David was necessarily a perfect man, and Jeroboam never followed his father's footsteps. But the good news is that when you look at this, it gives me comfort that Jesus Christ, in his genealogy, identifies with sinners in his birth and in his death. So, I don't care whatever state your life is right now, however far gone you might think you have been, seek comfort knowing that Jesus Christ has done it all. Christ came at the perfect time when things were not going well for the children of Israel, like things were not working, and they desperately, desperately need a Savior. And God's time is always perfect. When he arrives on the scene, he comes on the scene to make things anew. And the Bible tells us that he was there from the beginning. God was waiting to see if he can bring us back, but it never happened. So John 1, 1 to 6 tells us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God, and God, the Word was God. And having tried everything without lasting solution, God's designed to visit us, his people, redemptively in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. His promises were virtually an obligation that he placed upon himself. W.E. Vine says, a gift graciously bestowed, not a pledge secured by negotiation. All that God promises man were fulfilled in Christ. Second Corinthians 1.20 say, For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen, unto the glory of God. D.L. Moody once said, Let a man feed for a month on the promises of God, and he will not talk about how poor he is anymore, brethren! I think let us start putting a portion of His promises in our daily platter. We all need it because, according to Romans three twenty three, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Today, so de- what what what's the other option? What other what other, uh, uh, way do we have? It is a recurring theme since the fall of man. But the good news is, in John 3.16, this very popular verse, it says, for God so loved the world. It didn't say because he's going to get anything back. It said because he so loved the world, because of Adam, because of his breath that we are carrying, because of his image, he had to do something. So he sent his only begotten son. And most of us stops there. The good news didn't start, didn't end there. The good news went on. It's not just about having a begotten son to come and save you. It's said so that through him, we can start to experience Eden again. And this time around, the Eden that we're going to experience is not a physical garden. It's going to be an Eden that is going to be within us, out of you wells of living water. Out of you, there will be a temple. That means my spirit is going to dwell in you, and as an entity, as individual, you will carry even. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ achieved the law of greatness. According to Napoleon, he said, I knew men and I tell you, Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there's no possible comparison. The Bible tells us it is the name above all names. Philippians 2, verses 9 to 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him And giving him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus Christ is an exclusive king. There's none like him. There's none compared to him. There's no rock like him. But in his exclusiveness, he gives us an inclusive kingdom. He came so that we can have life and have life in his fullness. Jesus Christ came so that we can start to benefit from the promises that God has given us. There's a lot that was riding on his arrival. There's a lot that God needed to address to bring us back to Eden. There's so many promises that even if I stand here from now to the end of the day, I'm not gonna be able to go through them. And this is why walking out our salvation is very important as individuals, And as a community, and as a church, what are these promises? I'm just going to give you a few. One of them says, "He's going to give you life in fullness." John ten ten. He loves you unconditionally. He doesn't care what you've done. He still loves you, as long as you come back to him. He will give you rest. We've heard it so many times. All you who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. What are you needing rest from today? What is that that is troubling your heart that you need God to sort out? It says, I will give you rest. And it doesn't matter what state you find yourself. John John 7 says, I will accept you into my kingdom. I'm not forcing. It is going to show you the way. John 14, 6. He is our great comforter. John 14, 8. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. He gives you freedom. He answers your prayers. You are an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means as soon as Christ comes into your life, you're set free. You're delivered. Psalm 50 verse 16 says, Call me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. What a what a, what an awesome promise. John 3 15 says It will give us eternal life. Romans 6 23. And the one that really got me is that it gives us the Holy Spirit. Luke 24 49. And behold, I send this promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye here in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from one eye. That was the day of Pentecost. That was the day that it tarried. And because God never fails when he promises, he sent his Holy Spirit. They caught fire and the Spirit of the Lord rested upon them just like we're experiencing today. Christ said he would give us the crown of life. Like I said, the list is unending. It's inexhaustible. And what am I trying to say here? I hope you get the message. The message is Whatever you might be faced with, whatever might be the turn on your flesh, God says, I've got it. All you need to do is to know that I'm your God. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, whole or sick, poor or rich, educated or non-educated, you're welcome into his throne, you're welcome into his kingdom you look at all this, how do we enjoy, how do we come into all these promises? What do we need to do? Christ said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. Why is it so important to be partakers of the kingdom? because that's the whole purpose. The whole purpose of Christ is for us to go back to Eden. I don't want pain. I don't want sickness. I don't want poverty. I don't want depression. I don't want epidemic. I don't want pandemic. I don't want unrest. I want to be in Eden where the, the river flows quietly, where I have a stroll with my king in the evening, where I have to not think about what I'm gonna eat, when I don't have to think about where my next meal is gonna come from, when I'm not gonna have to think about what is going on in India, when I don't have to think about what is going on in Israel and Palestine, when I don't have to worry about my next meal, but to just be fellowshipping with my God and the purpose for my existence The reason for our gathering is Jesus. And he said, Why the water? Because it says in John 3, I'm going to read John 3, verse 3 to 5. So Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter his mother's womb? The second time, and be born, and Jesus answered, "Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God." Jesus came for us. This is not to say that everyone is automatically included. There is a caveat there. There is a clause. You need to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You need to invite him in. The reason why it took so long for Christ to come was God was always hoping and willing and waiting for the the, the dominion, the strong will, the free will that he gave man in Genesis to be activated. And when we couldn't do that, he stepped in and sent us his Son. Christ is asking us today, I am waiting at the door of your heart. I am knocking. I want to come in. Will you let me in? Perhaps you've let him in before and you've, you, you, you've, you've backslided and you're asking him again, Lord, I want you to come into my heart afresh today. I want you to come in and fellowship with me. And he said, I'm not, going, I'm not just going to come on my own. I'm bringing the Father and I'm bringing the Spirit. So, the Garden of Eden will be flowing within you. The water that Christ was referring to there was John the Baptist, but John the Baptist was baptizing. It says the water will wash you from the outside. If you've had a wash, people can see that you're clean. But it doesn't necessarily mean that your whole being is clean. And Christ says, I will wash you from the outside. The people will see, the world will see that I've cleaned you up. I'm not just going to stop there. I'm going to wash you and give you the Holy Spirit from the inside out so that you will be cleansed from the inside out and from the outside in so that when people see you, they see a different you. I was just reading the scripture about um, when Saul was prophesying with the children of the prophets. And the onlookers were saying, is that not Saul? So people will see you and say, is that not Paul? What has happened to him? He's suddenly a different person. Christ is saying to you today, when you let me in, people will see, the whole world will see a different you. They will see a you that has Victory. You that have no fear in the world, you that can face anything that comes. Because David says, with you I can face a battalion. So I'm asking you today, what will it be on the day of Pentecost? Even as they waited for his promise. The promise is here today. And however much theology we want to do, however much drama that we want to do, it comes down to one thing, Jesus Christ, the one who was, the one who is, and who is to come. And I will ask you this morning, receive the promise and be ready to proclaim it. Ask him to come into your life afresh. If you've missed your way, and he will come, and he will come and dwell in you. If you don't know him, this might be your time. This might be your opportunity to call unto him this morning and say, Father, I need you. I have no power of my own. There's nothing I can do without you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Let us equip ourselves and be ready to face the world and to spread the good news. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Almighty. Let us pray. Father, Lord in heaven, we thank you for your Son, whom you sent to us to save us, to set us free, to bring us back to you, to reunite us in every way. And we ask, O Lord, to visit us afresh, even as we celebrate Pentecost. Let your Spirit come. Let your Spirit come, O Lord. Let your Spirit come. In Jesus' name.